Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. King Charles gives titles to Harry and Meghan's children as he honors Queen Elizabeth at the Commonwealth Day service. In succeeding Her Majesty as head of the Commonwealth, I draw great strength from her example. The royals declined Lilibet's christening as preparations for the coronation may include Harry and Meghan. Neither of them come, only Harry comes. They both go, the children go, the children don't go. I even saw a, a story this week about how it's unkind that uh, Lilibet and Archie won't be at the service. And I'm thinking, do you know how young those kids are? Plus, royal photographer Christopher Jackson shares behind the scenes details of his most famous photos. And I think the one thing that I noticed when I photographed them, they have this incredible ability to connect with people and engage with people across different cultures, different nationalities, and different countries. We've got that plus so much more on today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and we got some big news this week. Of course, the Commonwealth Day service is a, an annual event and King Charles turned out for the first time as king. So a lot of news to get to this week. Lots of historical moments this week. I think lots of sort of big changes and lots of titles to talk about yes, this week. Lots of titles. Before we do, let's see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Beverly said, if he did the therapy sessions out of the goodness of his heart, then why charge people for it and make them buy his book? This isn't someone who cares for others. This is someone who wants to make money off of you. Ooh, yikes. Um, talking about, obviously, uh, Prince Harry's uh, virtual book event that he had last week where he charged a pretty penny to attend. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. I can't remember. It feels like several weeks back now if the proceeds were going to a cause. But even still, a lot of people mentioned that the price was pretty high. Yes. So I wonder if maybe that was an attempt to only make it make sure that the people in attendance were really interested. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Very good question. And then LG says, I think them being kicked out, but still invited shows that the palace are respecting the fact that he doesn't want to be a working royal. And as such, the perks of the job at the taxpayer's expense go back. But saying true to the royal saying they remain much loved family members. So they're just a family member coming to his dad's event without the benefits of the job. However, it sounds like the kids now have the royal title. So who knows what that means now? I mean, I feel like they, you know, it's the right thing to do to invite um, and we'll see if they attend. We still don't know. Million dollar yeah. question. We're going to be asking from now until May 6th. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think, yeah, we'll, we'll be guessing until the final moment. Lots of good points are being brought up now, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. Definitely. All right, well, let's get into our Royal Roundup. Kick it off with King Charles, who attended his first Commonwealth Day service as king. He and Queen Camilla joined other members of the royal family at Westminster Abbey for the annual event that honors the 56 countries that make up the Commonwealth. Now, during the event, he did take some time to honor his late mother, Queen Elizabeth. Take a look. In succeeding Her Majesty as head of the Commonwealth, I draw great strength from her example, together with all that I have learnt from the extraordinary people I have met throughout the Commonwealth over so many years. Always a beautiful service that turns out uh, a lot of the royal family members. And, um, you know, it was nice that he took some time, of course, to uh, take some time to dedicate some moments to his late mother. Yeah, this is always a really popular event in the royal calendar. Most of the major royals are always known to attend. Um, Prince Charles gave a speech, which is not something that Queen Elizabeth did in the past. It's not necessarily a break in tradition. It's just sort of a sign of how he wants to do things moving forward. But it was really well received. There's so many great performances from, you know, different different places around the, the Commonwealth. It's such a beautiful representation of what an amazing community they still have um, between these Commonwealth nations. Mm, definitely it was. It was a beautiful service. And of course, um, the fashion was a, a topic of conversation, of course, with the Prince and Princess of Wales. She wore this uh, beautiful white embroidered print uh, navy peplum jacket with a skirt. And um, she, of course, paired it with some very fashionable accessories, including a pair of sapphire and diamond earrings that previously belonged to Princess Diana. She also wore um, the Prince of Wales feathers brooch, which was a gift from King Charles, and it was previously owned by Princess Diana. It featured blue sapphires, diamonds, rubies, and emeralds that represent the Welsh flag. So everybody had to hold on to their hats. It was a windy day, but um, fashionable, of course. <laughs> it was very fashionable. And this is one of those events that is a uniquely royal fashion event. There's not really any other event in, in your lifetime from normal people where you're going to be in sort of you know, um, practically couture suits and coats and hats. It's a very specific outfit, a specific look. And it, they, they looked really royal. The Kate looked so royal. The new Duchess of Edinburgh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Sophie looked very royal. The Queen was there and she looked very royal. But yes, Kate looked amazing. Her her outfit was from Erdem, which is a designer she's worked with for years and years and sort of has a very um, memorable look to his styles and something interesting that we noticed was with Kate's hat it was almost the exact same silhouette as her hat from Queen Elizabeth II's funeral and that creates a really great opportunity to compare the two moments from you know the funeral which was such a historic event to this new more joyful celebration but also one of the first major events in in the royal family as the new royal family so lots of great moments lots of you know comparisons with the the brooch and the jewelry belonging to Diana, lots of ties to the family, I think. It's hard to believe that three years ago, this was the final event for Harry and Meghan. It's, it's, I knew it. yes, someone told me that and I said, no, no, that can't be right. But yes, it was this event three years ago. It was the last um, official royal event with Meghan and Harry as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. It feels a hundred 
years ago, but also, just also yesterday. Day. I know time flies. <laughs> really well, we, like you said before, we have some big title news going on this week and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's children, Archie and Lilibet are now using their official Royal titles. According to the British Royal family's website, which was updated on March 9th, the children will now be known as Prince Archie of Sussex and Princess Lilibet of Sussex in line with their parents titles, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. A spokesperson told a GMA that the children's titles have been a birthright since their grandfather became monarchy. This matter has been settled for some time in alignment with Buckingham Palace. This comes after... Um, so back in 2021, when they did their big CBS tell-all interview, Megan claimed that the royals didn't want to grant Archie a title as it would be against protocol and that not having that title would mean a lack of security. So is it surprising now that they're getting these titles or is this just protocol? Yeah, there's so much, there's so many surprising <laughs> things in this turn of events. When Archie was born, Meghan and Harry said in a statement that he would just be Archie Mountbatten Windsor because they want him to have as normal of a life as possible. We've now completely 180 that to the other side of the, the coin, which is that he's now Prince Archie of Sussex. He could not have a more royal title. Um and it also points out those issues that we saw in the interview that people were able to very easily fact check. So mm-hmm. Archie was never really entitled to a title. I mean, they could have passed major laws that would have involved Parliament to give Archie a title. But if they wanted Archie to have as normal of a childhood as possible, there wasn't much point in that. So Archie was never really um, eligible for a title while the Queen Elizabeth II was still alive. And he's never really been entitled to security. So those were both sort of twisted to fit the narrative that Meghan and Harry wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Now we're finding out, okay, those two things weren't true. When Queen Elizabeth II died and King Charles became the monarch, all the, the grandchildren in the male line of the monarch are all eligible to, for the title of prince or princess. Right. So they automatically became eligible to use that title. And so far, Meghan and Harry haven't used it. It's totally at their parents' discretion. It's really up to Meghan and Harry to make that choice. Meghan and Harry have now made the choice and Buckingham Palace is being really surprisingly supportive, I think. Just, okay, that's fine. That's who you are now, you know? And so now they are Prince Archie and Princess Lilibet. So interesting. It's like one foot in, one foot out. Can't decide what they want to do. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't figure them out. I can't. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't think anyone can. This might be hints of what we're going to see, you know, at the coronation we've sort of talked about, are they trying to not reconciliate, but sort of, you know, olive branches just seem to be right. sticking out all over the place. Um, this is a really interesting twist. And a lot of people have pointed out that this completely goes against everything they've been saying. Harry saying that his life growing up with a title was so terrible. Right. You know, these statements of, you know, they won't have titles. So it, we're definitely getting mixed messages here. I don't know that we're going to get any clarity, but if, if you're confused, you have a right to be. If you're confused, we're confused, but yes. we're trying to figure it all out. One thing we are not confused about is uh, Prince Edward's new title, and he will inherit his late father, Prince Philip's Duke of Edinburgh honor. A statement read that His Majesty the King has been pleased to confer the Dukedom of Edinburgh Borough upon the Prince Edward, Earl of Wessex and Forfar on the occasion of His Royal Highness's 59th birthday. Um, the title will be held by Prince Edward for His Royal Highness's lifetime. 
this is really nice. Uh, I'm sure, you know, they added that the the new Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh are proud to uh, continue Prince Philip's legacy of promoting opportunities for young people of all backgrounds to reach their full potential. I'm sure that he was very touched by this title and, of course, honoring his father and continuing on in this legacy. Yeah, this was really special. Prince Edward was not given a dukedom title upon um, his marriage to his wife, Sophie. And the, the ongoing rumor was that um, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, wanted to pass that down to his son. It's not usually really a hereditary title. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, and then when the Duke of Edinburgh died, it kind of automatically passed to Charles, who, as we know, does not need an additional title. He has so many. Right. <laughs> We were all sort of waiting anxiously for when that would be officially conferred to his brother, Prince Edward. So on Prince Edward's birthday, that was his birthday gift from his brother, the king. And um, Edward and Sophie went to Edinburgh on that day, conveniently scheduled a royal visit on that day. Um, and they met with the people of Edinburgh and had a really special reception. And the whole time, Sophie, the Duchess of Edinburgh, has tears in her eyes. I think she's just so happy and, and very touched by how much support they received um, from this news. I think it was really, really sweet. It is really special. Uh, a birthday to remember, definitely. Yes. Well, this oh. was, yeah, this was a an event to remember because the Princess of Wales visited the Irish Guards as they trained in rural England, marking the first time with the regiment since she became honorary colonel following the death of Queen Elizabeth. She succeeded Prince William, who King Charles made the new colonel of the Welsh Guards, fitting his new title, of course, as the Prince of Wales. She sported a camouflage coat. She got down and dirty as she usually does and um, oh, learned how to help battlefield casualty about anti-poaching. So she really does. She does get down and dirty and she really gets her, her, her hands in there. I think compared to how we saw her this week at the Commonwealth uh, Service to that, I mean, get you a girl who can do both. She's right. so well-rounded she just looks amazing in every setting but i think she every everywhere she goes she really looks excited to be there she's genuinely interested in what she's doing but yeah this was this was such a juxtaposition to how we normally see her you know she's got her hair down in a french braid she's in muddy boots and camouflage um i absolutely loved it i love seeing her sort of really getting stuck into that role love to see it all right well now it is time to spill some royal tea and this is some big news for megan because it looks like she is possibly having her old blog, The Tig, come, uh, set for a comeback. So according to a document that was obtained by Us Weekly, she filed with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and it's potentially to reboot the version of the website, which consisted of, it's, it was a lifestyle website about, you know, articles, interviews, cooking, uh, things like that, and relationships, fashion style, kind of like the whole thing. The relaunch date has not been uh, announced, but it could go according to the mirror as live as early next week. So what do we think about Megan relaunching the TIG? I mean, this is almost unsurprising because the way she left the TIG was a bit mysterious. She sort of, you know, it has, I think it still has a holding page yes. saying thank you for the memories and, you know, we'll see you again soon somehow. And so that was very, um, that was such a strange way to close down a website that was never, ever going to relaunch. So the fact that it's coming back, I don't think is a surprise to many people. Um, it's been so often compared to Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, um, Kourtney Kardashian's Poosh. So 
I think that there's definitely space in the market for this kind of website. And the question will be, how popular does it become? Oh, I'm sure I'm sure the website might crash. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> All right. Well, um, in some other news, sources told uh, the Daily Mail that Buckingham Palace is preparing for Harry and Meghan to attend the coronation. Palace staff have begun organizing logistics for the historic occasion, have been instructed to include them in their program, even though that there has been no word that they're going to be coming. An insider told the outlet that Harry and Meghan are being factored into all of the planning, the cars, the seating plans, dining arrangements, everything. No one knows for certain whether this means they have definitely accepted. It could, of course, be just in case they do, but it's clearly not a no. Just tell them yes or no so they can plan accordingly. It's <laughs> all out of our misery and this will be one thing. I've heard so much, um, you know, uh, so many theories that they'll both come to the UK, but only Harry is going to attend the public events. Right. Um, neither of them come. Only Harry comes. They both go. The children go. The children don't go. I even saw a, a story this week about how it's unkind that uh, Lilibet and Archie won't be at the service. And I'm thinking, do you know how young those kids are? <laughs> yeah. Right. Me and Lily are not going to the very long formal church service. No way. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. So I think, yeah, we really just want to know, Harry and Megan, please just tell us your plan. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Please just tell us our plans. Please. We just want to know. We just want to know. Well, we did know that they did have a big event for their daughter, Lilibet. On March 3rd, they had their christening for their daughter. And an insider did tell People Magazine that the royal family were invited. But they did not attend. But um, 20 to 30 guests did attend the intimate gathering, including Megan's mother, Lilibet's godfather, Tyler Perry, and an unnamed godmother. Not so surprising that the um, royal family did not attend. I mean, it's, you know, a far trip. And, you know, things are a little icy still. <laughs> Long trip. Things are a bit icy. And unfortunately, as we're finding with, like, with the coronation, I'm sure they felt this way with Lilibet's christening, is that once you involve that family drama, it becomes a much bigger story. It becomes a thing. And maybe they just wanted a nice, quiet, sweet day for Lilibet where she was celebrated and surrounded by, you know, her friends and family out in California. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you just want a drama-free family family day. <laughs> drama-free. That's all you want. Um, this is interesting. So Prince William and Kate Middleton are careful not to show some PDA um, during royal engagements. But behind palace doors, it seems like they're just like us, just a normal married couple. In a new book uh, from author Tom Quinn titled Gilded Youth, an Intimate History of Growing Up in the Royal Family. Um, it features some interviews from palace staff. And he told Fox News, someone at the palace told me about the nicknames they have for each other, but it's not all sweetness. They have terrible rows where they throw things at each other. Kate might seem to be a very calm person and William also, but it's not always true because the big stress for William and Kate is that they're constantly surrounded by palace aides. It's like a Jane Austen novel. I'm sure, you know, it can't always be easy having your life scrutinized and constantly followed. It's got to be a lot of pressure on a marriage. And I think it probably takes a really strong marriage, as we've seen, to survive this. 
Definitely. I can't imagine, you know, constantly being scrutinized. I think a lot of us, you know, if, if someone watched our marriages 24 seven, it would be questionable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we do know that Prince William has quite um, a, a strong temper behind closed doors. He seems to become, you know, have grown into it and has better calming mechanisms, if you will. So this is it's, it's always interesting to get a behind the scenes look. I think so many of us just want to know, like, who are they really? Like what goes on behind closed doors? Right. Tell us everything. <laughs> Um, well, Sarah Ferguson uh, is speaking out what goes on behind closed doors between her and Prince Andrew after watching him go through his public scrutiny. She told uh, GMA that it's so, so sad. We've been there for each other. You know, when I've gone through really bad times in the past, Andrew's always been there. He's exceptionally kind and he is a very, very he is a very seriously good grandfather. He's very steadfast for the girls. We are women that also have had to see the demise of a very strong man. And that has been really difficult to see. Um, Sarah. <laughs> uh, I don't really know how to react to that one. Maybe read the room, right? Read, exactly, read the room. Her press tour has been so strong, and I've loved seeing her represented really, really well. And you know, sort of quirky and charming, and the fun aunt, if you will. But maybe leave the Prince Andrew stuff behind. Yeah, leave that behind. I mean, he did deserve all the public scrutiny for what has happened. And yes, it has to be hard for his daughters to see that. But, you know, uh, not a good person. (laughs) All right. Well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And joining us this week is famed royal photographer Christopher Jackson. He is breaking down his new book, Charles III, A King and His Queen. Take a look. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. I was just telling you before, this book is absolutely beautiful. The stories behind it, the photographs. I mean, you've really, I mean, you do amazing work, but this is uh, exceptional. It really is. I love that you said that you wanted readers to gain an insight into the genuine characters. So how would you describe these characters, King Charles uh, and Queen Consort? Thank you, Christina. Um, Well, um, I've been lucky enough to photograph them for 20 years now, and I think, like like you say, across the formal engagements, the family moments, and you know, even um, capturing them enjoying some of their down their rare downtime. And so, hopefully, like you said, that gives you a bit of an insight into the characters behind them. And I think, you know, they do have these unique characters, sort of honed from years of doing this job and doing it very well. And I think the one thing that I notice when I photograph them, they have this incredible ability to connect with people and engage with people across different cultures, different nationalities and different countries. And it's, you know, it's really amazing to watch them kind of build a bond very quickly with people that they're meeting. You know, I suppose in the job of being a member of the Royal family, you do meet a lot of people day to day and, you know, using you know a great sense of humor, um, the ability to not take yourself too seriously um, and to always, I suppose, be on, if that makes sense, you know, rocking up in the morning uh, with a smile and a sense of energy is something that I've always associated with um, are now King Charles, which always impresses me because I often get there feeling a little bit grumpy in the morning and he has this great ability to kind of uh, just to um, to um, go straight into things. And I suppose that ties into the fact that many people are meeting the royals right. for the first time. It might be the most important day of their lives. And, you know, they realize that and it's important. Right. And you have some great, you know, behind the scenes photographs, too, of just the king, you know, walking with his mother in Buckingham Palace and things like that. So what was their relationship like in those quiet moments? Yeah, you know, obviously incredibly sad time when Queen Elizabeth passed away last year. And I think 
you know, she was unique um, and she will always be remembered as this incredible individual around the world, this incredible historic person. And I have really good memories of photographing her. Um, it was very surreal when she, she passed away. And I think the king obviously had a great relationship with the queen in all their interactions. And you can see that from some of the photos in the book. But the queen was an absolute consummate professional. Um, her sense of duty right to the end was just incredible. And there's one photograph I took in the queen's final year, one of her last official photographs, actually. And I, I, little did I know it would be, um, but it was working on her red box up in Sandringham. It's in the book. And I think it kind of summed up to me, you know, that dedication to duty, but also with a smile on her face, you know, great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that's rubbed off on the King. He's certainly got an incredible commitment. He works incredibly hard, you know, often till late at night. And he's a man who is very passionate about, you know, things like the environment. And I've listened to many, many of his speeches over the years and visited a huge amount of rainforests and uh, visited places that have suffered from climate catastrophe, earthquakes, flooding, and, and you know he he of course has to do things a little bit differently now he's king. But I think that passion will always be there, and and I think that's important. Definitely, one of my favorite stories that you have in the book is the portrait of King Charles's seventieth birthday, um, and the bear costume that came out. Obviously, you know you're dealing, you're, you are still dealing with kids, even though they're royal kids, they're they're kids. So you have to you know come up with fun, creative ways to get those smile on their faces. Could you kind of tell me the story behind that? Yeah, well, um, I'm glad you like that. You know, it's in this book. It's really special to share some of those kind of moments behind the camera because obviously as a photographer it's really important you know you, you try and make your subjects feel as relaxed as possible and you know getting everyone looking in the right direction in, in a group picture is always a little bit of a challenge so certainly a little bit nerve-wracking beforehand and yeah it was lovely to get the opportunity to do that um as i say in the story i got the uh the, the bear costume slightly wrong initially uh, I tried it out with my son in the in the bathroom thinking at bath time thinking he'd absolutely love it and he didn't. So I had to find a, a friendlier looking bear. Uh, but it was great. I mean, you know, obviously the and the resultant picture was everyone sort of laughing and and for me getting those kind of candid pictures that pictures where everyone's enjoying themselves, it's it's it, if it makes the viewers smile, then hopefully. Um, it's kind of elicited a response and uh, it's it's a good picture. Did the kids love it? Were there any of them frightened at all? I think, you know, um, apart from my son in the bath, it's, <laughs> yeah, it was just a nice way to make everyone feel relaxed. Definitely. Um, you photographed um, the Invictus Games for many years. How proud was King Charles um, of Harry in those moments? Yeah, Invictus Games is something that is, I've absolutely loved photographing over the years. I think it's um, Prince Harry's like biggest achievement. Um, just seeing the competitors getting to know them over the years and seeing the impact it's had on them um, has been really special. And, you know, I, I photographed it, the, the inaugural event, the inaugural, you know, the meetings and the run up to the event. And so I've been lucky to have an insight into, you know, watching it grow over the years. And that's been really special. And I think seeing, you know, all the rules, I really remember vividly when they all came to the, um, the launch of the London Victors Games. And of course, there was a sense of nerves behind the scenes. It was the first one. It was inaugural. Uh, it was a new idea. And it was a huge success. And you could clearly see it was a start of something special. It was lovely to see everyone together enjoying mm -hmm. that moment, which was special. Definitely. Um, are you hopeful that they will be at the coronation? Do you miss them being part of everyday working royal life? <laughs> 
that who knows i've you know uh, my job is always just to document these kind of these moments um and of course over the last couple of years it's been you know some incredible highs for the royal family with things like moments like the platinum jubilee and of course some some very sad low points with the death of, of queen elizabeth and you know, I, I very much see my job as, as there to kind of document the ebbs and the flows and the ups and the downs and and just document these historic moments. And I don't know exactly what's happening for the coronation, that choreography. I just know it's going to be um, an exciting period that the nation's going to be behind. But like you said, you have been documenting the highs and the lows for so many year, years. And I thought it was so interesting when you wrote that when you were photo- uh, photographing Prince Philip's funeral, that you had to learn pretty much like a whole new camera system the week before. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, um, so, uh, you know, one of the special things about being a royal photographer is you are there for the moment. You can occasionally be quite visible when, you know, all the TV cameras from all around the world are rolling on these big, these big moments. And so it's really important to kind of uh, just be aware of that. And for me, the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral, you know, it was it was the first royal funeral I'd covered. You know, it's the first one we've had in my twenty year career. We haven't had, I haven't had something like that to cover. So, I felt really nervous on the day. I think, um, and just being behind the scenes and documenting it in the best possible way was my absolute goal. But. Uh, you know, I didn't want to have any kind of impact on that moment. And so I had to learn a new mirrorless, mirrorless camera system, which was totally silent uh, on the day. You know, in the subsequent um, years, we've all switched to mirrorless now, a lot of people I know. And and so I actually regularly shoot with totally silent cameras, which is great because you have, you know, you can very much be that fly on the wall and, and not have any impact on what's going on in, in front of you. But yeah, that was a incredibly poignant, um, poignant afternoon on that stunning spring day. Um, as the Duke of Edinburgh was coffin was, was carried on to the, his, um, Land Rover Defender, uh, under the round tower of, of Windsor Castle. And, you know, I'll never forget that. That was um, just really, really amazing to be a part of it. Definitely a beautiful book to get your hands on. Some stunning pictures. I mean, he's been with the royal family for decades, so he really knows the ins and outs and what it takes to to capture a really historic royal moment. I know his his books are all. Is this, is this his third book? I mean, they're all fantastic. Third, yeah, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. It really is. It's great. And it's a great coffee table book, too. All right. Let's get into our pint-sized ballast. And Meghan Markle spent International Women's Day supporting an organization that helps expectant mothers and their children. She and members of the Archwell Foundation visited Los Angeles-based Charity Harvest Home. Now, this is uh, they created a pop-up baby boutique, hosted lunch from a female, fe- female-owned restaurant, and made donations to the charity, which helps provide housing, mental well-being support, and classes to expectant mothers who have faced challenges such as domestic violence, substance abuse, and homelessness. This is the work we want to see from Meghan and Harry. <laughs> yes, this is exactly. Unfortunately, I think this is clouded by the family drama, the title drama, the christening that no one was invited to. Again, we just want them to lay low, keep their heads down, stay out of the royal headlines, and show us the good work you're doing, because this is exactly what we've been begging them to do for like six months. Seriously, keep it coming, keep it up. That's what we want to talk about, not the drama. We'll leave the drama <laughs> in the past. But I mean, every now and then we'll talk about some drama, but not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we need the drama sometimes alright well that is it for this week's episode of, of Royally Us make sure to keep commenting keep subscribing and we will see you guys next week <laughs>